25, and he possessing a considerable fleet, defied the power of the emperor, but when Constantes was appointed Caesar he prepared to reduce the island to subjection. In AD 294 Carousus was put to death by Alexius, a new usurper. Constantes now crossed the channel and recovered the island, which, after a separation of ten years, was once more reunited to the empire. During this reign the Goths, Vandals, and other northern barbarians wasted their strength in destructive contests with each other, but whenever, in intervals of peace, they invaded the Roman territory, they were driven back by the valor of the two Caesars, Maximian, in the meantime, subdued a revolt in Africa, and Diocletian himself suppressed one of those seditions to which Egypt was constantly exposed. The emperor besieged Alexandria for eight months, cut off the aqueducts which conveyed water to the city, and, having taken it, put many thousands of its citizens to death. One remarkable edict which he now published forbade the study of alchemy in Egypt, and ordered all books upon that subject to be burned. He also made a treaty with the Nubians, in order to protect the frontiers of Egypt. It gives us, indeed, a clear view of the immense extent of the Roman power when we reflect that its commanders were, almost at the same moment, struggling successfully against its enemies in Africa, Britain, Germany, and the East. A war with Persia now rose, in which Gilaris was at first defeated, A.D. 296, but the next year he passed through the mountains of Armenia at the head of 25,000 chosen men, and, having surprised the Persian army in the night, slaughtered great numbers of them, the booty, too, was immense, a barbarian soldier, finding a bag of shining leather filled with pearls, threw away the contents and preserved the bag, and the uncultivated savages gathered a vast spoil from the tents of the Persians, Gilaris, having taken prisoner several of the wives and children of the Persian monarch nurses, treated them with such tenderness and respect that nurses made peace, Mesopotamia was now added to the empire, being taken from the king of Armenia, who received in its place a considerable Persian province, the two emperors returned to Rome and celebrated their triumph November 20th, AD 303, the last spectacle of that kind which the world has witnessed, Romulus, more than a thousand years before, had ascended the Capitoli Mount on foot, bearing in his arms the spoil of a crown, and his example had been followed by a long line of Roman heroes, in the last triumph, the two emperors were attended by the spoils of Africa and Britain, of the East and the West, during this reign also occurred the last persecution of the Christians, who were soon to become the masters of the empire, it began AD 303, and continued for ten years, and such multitudes of the Christians perished that the emperors boasted that they had wholly extirpated the sect. Diocletian introduced an eastern pomp into his court, assumed the titles of Lord and Emperor, and wore a diadem set with pearls. His robes were of silk and gold. He required his subjects to prostrate themselves before him, and to adore him as a divinity. In AD 305, like Charles V, he resolved to abdicate his power. Having persuaded his colleague Maximian to do the same, he lived in retirement for nine years, and amused himself cultivating his garden. I wish you would come to Salona, Scalatro, he wrote to Maximian, who sought to draw him from his retirement, and see the cabbages I have planted, you would never again mention to me the name of empire. But the close of his life was embittered by the ingratitude of Constantine and Lysines, and the dangers of the empire. It is not known whether he died by disease or by his own hand. Upon the abdication of Diocletian and his colleague, the two Caesars, Constantes and Gilaris, assumed the title of Augustus. Constantes retained his former provinces, Gaul, 
Spain, and Britain. He was moderate, amiable, and lived with Roman simplicity. Gilleris, on the other hand, was haughty, severe, and ambitious. He had married a daughter of Diocletian, and hoped that the death of Constantes would soon leave him the sole emperor of Rome. The two emperors now appointed two Caesars, Maximin and Severus, the first nephew to Gilleris, and the latter devoted to his interests. Constantes died at York, in Britain, A.D. 306, and his son Constantine was proclaimed Augustus by the soldiers. This prince, afterward Constantine the Great, was the son of Constantes and Helena, who was said to have been the daughter of an innkeeper. When Constantes became Caesar he divorced Helena, and her son was, in a measure, neglected. Constantine, however, soon distinguished himself as a soldier, and won the affection of the army. In appearance he was tall, dignified, and pleasing, he excelled in all military exercises, was modest, prudent, and well informed, he soon attracted the jealousy of Gilleris, who would have put him to death had he not escaped to his father in Britain, and now Gilleris refused to allow him any higher title than that of Caesar, Maxentes, the son of the abdicated emperor Maximian, was also proclaimed Augustus by his soldiers, and prevailed upon his father once more to ascend the throne, Severus, who marched against them, was defeated and put to death, and Constantine now married Fausta, the daughter of Maximian. Gilleris led a large army from the east, but was repulsed from Rome and retreated, leaving Maximian and his son masters of the capital. Gilleris next associated Lysanes with him in his power, and there were now six sovereigns upon the throne. In AD 310, however, Maximian, having conspired against the life of Constantine, was put to death, Gilleris died the next year, in AD 312 Maxentes fell before the arms of Constantine, and was drowned in the Tiber while attempting to make his escape, it was during this campaign that Constantine is said to have seen the miraculous cross in the heavens, the Roman Senate paid unusual honors to Constantine, games and festivals were instituted in memory of his victory over Maxentes, and a triumphal arch was erected, whose imperfect architecture shows the decline of ancient taste. The Arch of Trajan was stripped of its ornaments to adorn that of Constantine. The new emperor introduced good order into the administration of the West, revived the authority of the Senate, and disbanded the Praetorian Guards. He revoked the edicts against the Christians, and paid unusual deference to the bishops and saints of the Church. The Emperor Lysanes, who had married his sister, in AD 313 defeated and put to death Maximin, so that the empire was now shared between Constantine and Lysanes. The former now summoned a council of bishops at Arles to suppress the heresy of the Donatists, but, before it met, was forced to march against Lysanes, who had conspired against him. Lysanes was defeated in two battles, and forced to give up a large part of his dominions to his conqueror. Constantine next defeated the Goths and Sarmadi. Lysanes had assumed the defense of paganism, while Constantine raised the standard of the cross. The last struggle between them took place near Adrianople. The pagan army was defeated and put to flight, and in AD 324 Lysanes was put to death. Thus Constantine reigned alone over the empire of Augustus, at the famous Council of Nias, which met in AD 325. The doctrine of the Trinity was established, Arianism condemned, and at the same time the emperor was, in effect, acknowledged to be the spiritual head of the church. But an event now occurred which must have destroyed forever the happiness of Constantine. He was induced to put to death his virtuous son Crispus, through the false accusations of his wife Fausta, 
and when afterward he discovered the falseness of the charges made against Crispus, he directed Fausta and her accomplices to be slain. Rome, which had so long been the capital of the world, was now to descend from that proud position and become a provincial city. When Constantine returned to Rome after the Council of Nice, he found himself assailed with insults and execrations. The Senate and the people of the capital saw with horror the destroyer of their national faith, and they looked upon Constantine as accursed by the gods. The execution of his wife and son soon after increased the ill feeling against the emperor, and Constantine probably resolved to abandon a city upon which he had bestowed so many favors, and which had repaid him with such ingratitude. He was conscious, too, that Rome, seated in the heart of Italy, was no longer a convenient capital for his empire and he therefore resolved to build a new city on the site of ancient Byzantium. The Bosphorus, a narrow strait, connects the Black Sea and the Sea of Marmara, and here, on a triangular piece of ground, enclosing on one side an excellent harbor, Constantine laid the foundations of his capital. It was situated in the 41st degree of latitude, possessed a temperate climate, and a fertile territory around it, while, being placed on the confines of both Europe and Asia, it commanded the two divisions of the empire. Constantinople was adorned with all the architectural elegance of the age, but the arts of sculpture and of decoration had so declined that Constantine was forced to rob the cities of Greece of their finest works in order to supply the deficiencies of his own artists. Athens and Asia were despoiled to adorn his semi-barbarous capital. The city was provided with a forum, in which was placed a column of porphyry upon a white marble base, in all 120 feet high upon which stood a bronze figure of Apollo, a hippodrome, or circus of great size, and the baths and pleasure grounds, recalled the memory of those of Rome, schools and theaters, aqueducts, fourteen churches, fourteen palaces, and a great number of magnificent private houses, added to the splendor of the new city, Constantine designed, it is said, to have called his capital the second O.R. New Rome, but his own name has always been preferred, having thus provided a capital, Constantine next began to form a new constitution for his empire, he established, therefore, a complete despotism, all the power being lodged in the emperor, and all honors and titles being conferred by him alone, the name of consul was still preserved, these officers being yearly appointed by the emperor, but we now notice the titles of count and duke joined with those of quaestors and proconsuls, all the civil magistrates were taken from the legal profession, the law was now the most honorable of the professions, and the law school at Berytus, in Phoenicia, had flourished since the reign of Alexander Severus. The Roman Empire was divided into four great prefectures, which were themselves subdivided into dioceses and provinces. The prefectures were named that of the East, of Illyricum, of Italy, and of Gaul. A Praetorian prefect had charge of each prefecture, and regulated its civil government, took care of the roads, ports, granaries, manufactures, coinage was the supreme legal magistrate, from whose decision there was no appeal. Rome and Constantinople had their own prefects, whose courts took the place of those of the ancient praetors, while a considerable police force preserved the quiet of each city. The magistrates of the empire were divided into three classes, the illustrissimi, or illustrious, the spectabiles, or respectable, and the clarissimi, or the honorable. Constantine also made Christianity the established religion of the state and appropriated a large portion of the revenues of the cities to the support of the churches and the clergy. His standing army was very large, but the ranks were now filled chiefly by barbarians, the Roman youth having lost all taste for arms, 
it is said the young men of Italy were in the habit of cutting off the fingers of the right hand in order to unfit themselves for military service, in order to support this extensive system. Constantine was forced to impose heavy taxes upon his people. Every year the emperor subscribed with his own hand, in purple ink, the indiction, or tax levy of each diocese, which was set up in its principal city, and when this proved insufficient, an additional tax, or superindiction, was imposed, lands, cattle, and slaves were all heavily taxed, and the declining agriculture of the empire was finally ruined by the exorbitant demands of the state, in Campania alone, once the most fertile part of Italy, one-eighth of the whole province lay uncultivated, and the condition of Gaul seems to have been no better, besides this, merchants, manufacturers, mechanics, and citizens were taxed beyond their power of endurance, while those who failed to pay were shut up in prison. Every fourth year these taxes on industry were levied, a period to which the people looked forward with terror and lamentation. Gifts were also demanded from the cities or provinces on various occasions, such as the accession of an emperor, the birth of an emperor's heir, the free gift of the city of Rome, for example, being fixed at about $300,000, and, in fine, the imperial despotism reduced the people to a want, and hastened, even more than the inroads of the barbarians the destruction of civil society. Constantine in his old age adopted the luxury and pomp which Diocletian introduced from the east, he wore false hair of various colors carefully arranged, a diadem of costly gems, and a robe of silk embroidered with flowers of gold. His family, at an earlier period, consisted of Crispus, a son by his first wife Minervina, and the three sons of Fausta, Constantine, Constantes, and Constans. Besides these there were three daughters, Crispus, however, who was beloved by the people and the army, excited the jealousy of Fausta. Constantine was led to believe that his son was engaged in a conspiracy against his life, and Crispus was executed by his father's orders, together with Caesar Licinius, the son of Constantine's favorite sister, Helena, the aged mother of Constantine, undertook to avenge her grandson. Fausta was finally proved to be unfaithful to her husband, and put to death with many of her friends and followers. These fearful scenes within the palace recalled to the Roman people the memory of Nero and Caligula. The three sons of Fausta were now the heirs of the throne, and, with their two cousins, Dalmatis and Hannibalianus, were carefully instructed by Christian professors, Greek philosophers, and Roman jurisconsults, the emperor himself teaching them the science of government and of man. They also studied the art of war in defending the frontiers of the empire, but no important war disturbed the last 14 years of this reign. Constantine reigned 30 years, the longest period of any since Augustus, and he died May 22, A.D. 337, at his palace at Nicomedia, aged 64 years. Constantine, although professing the Christian faith, was not baptized until a short time before his death, when he received that solemn rite with many professions of penitence, and of a desire to live in future according to the precepts of religion. He seems to have possessed many excellent qualities, was brave, active, and untiring, ruled with firmness, and gave a large portion of his time to the cares of state. Chapter XLIV. From the death of Constantine, A.D. 337, to Romulus Augustus, A.D. 476, the three sons of the late emperor, Constantine, Constantes, and Constans, as soon as their father was dead, put to death their two cousins. Hannibalianus and Dalmatis, with many more of their relatives, only Gallus and Julian, 
the children of Julius Constantes, being left alive, they then divided the empire, AD 337, Constantine, the elder, retaining the new capital, Constans receiving the western provinces, while to Constantes was left Syria and the east, Sapper, king of Persia, invaded the eastern provinces, and defeated the Romans in various battles, meanwhile a quarrel broke out between Constantine and Constans, and the former, having invaded his brother's provinces, was defeated and slain, AD 350, ten years afterward Constans was himself put to death by Magnetes, an ambitious soldier, who at once assumed the name of emperor, Constantes marched against him, but found that Vetranio, prefect of Illyricum, had joined him, instigated by the princess Constantina, he finally, however, defeated Magnetes, and deposed the aged Vetranio, and thus became the master of Rome, having recalled Gallus and Julian from banishment, the emperor gave them the title of Caesars, Gallus proved in fit for public affairs, while Julian won the esteem of all men by his conduct and valor, he drove the Germans out of Gaul, which they had invaded, and even crossed the Rhine, in imitation of Julius Caesar, Constantes now became jealous of the rising fame of Julian, who was beloved by the Western legions, and commanded him to send the finest part of his army to the east, Julian prepared to obey, but the soldiers rose in revolt, proclaiming him Julian Augustus, he sent messengers to the emperor demanding the recognition of his election, but war could not long be averted, Julian abjured Christianity, which he had hitherto professed, together with his allegiance to the emperor, and led a small army of well-chosen soldiers against his rival, meantime Constantes, in AD 361, November 3D, died of a fever in Syria, while Julian entered Constantinople December 11th, amid the applause of the people, he was acknowledged emperor, he was now in his 32nd year, in many particulars the most remarkable of the second Flavian family, Julian had been educated by the Platonic philosophers, and resolved to restore the ancient form of religion, he sacrificed to the pagan gods, rebuilt their temples, revived the practice of augury, or divination, and vainly strove to impose upon the human mind a superstition which it had just thrown off, in order to mortify the Christians, he resolved to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem, and restore the Jews to their ancient seat, but some natural phenomenon interposed, the workmen were driven away by balls of fire, and Julian abandoned his design, except this unphilosophical hostility toward the Christians, whose faith he had once professed, Julian seems to have made a sincere attempt to improve the condition of his people, he lived with frugality, rewarded merit, and encouraged learning, except where it was employed in the defense of Christianity, he was also successful in his wars against the Germans and the Persians, but at length was defeated by the latter, and was killed AD 363, June 26, Julian affected in his dress and manners the rudeness and indifference of a philosopher, was free from vice, possessed considerable learning, and wrote a work of some value, in which he compared and studied the characters of the long line of his predecessors, Jovian was now proclaimed emperor by the eastern army, and concluded a dishonorable peace with the Persians, he next published an edict restoring Christianity, but was found dead in his bed, AD 364, Valentinian was next chosen emperor, who gave the eastern provinces to his brother Valens, he made Milan the seat of his own government, while Valens reigned at Constantinople, and the empire was from this time divided into the eastern and the western, the whole of the western world was distressed by the invasion of barbarous tribes, and Valentinian now made his son Gratian his heir, 
in order to remove all doubt as to the succession, the Saxon pirates, meantime, harassed all the coasts of Gaul, while Britain was invaded by the Picts and Scots, Theodosius, however, defeated them, and was soon after sent to quell an insurrection in Africa, this he succeeded in doing, when Valentinian died suddenly, AD 375, Valens, his brother, meantime had suppressed a rebellion in the east, led by Procopius, and then, having become an Arian, commenced a severe persecution of the Orthodox, of whom no fewer than eighty ecclesiastics were put to death for supporting the election of a bishop of their own faith at Constantinople. Valens also succeeded in repelling the attacks of the Persians. In the west Valentinian had been succeeded by his sons Gratian and Valentinian II, the brave Theodosius. Meanwhile, whose valor had preserved the peace of the nation, was executed by order of Gratian, and soon after the Huns appeared upon the Danube. These savages are thought to have entered Europe from Tartary. Their faces were artificially flattened and their beards plucked out. They left the cultivation of their fields to the women or slaves, and devoted their lives to warfare, a wandering race. They built no cities nor houses, and never slept beneath a roof. They lived upon horseback. The Huns first attacked their fellow barbarians, the Ostrogoths, and made a fearful carnage, putting all the women and children to death. The Gothic nation now begged permission from the Romans to cross the Danube, and settle within the Roman territory. Their request was granted, upon condition that they should surrender all their arms, but this condition was imperfectly fulfilled. The celebrated Bishop Ulfilas about this time converted the Goths to Arianism, invented a Gothic alphabet, and infused among the Goths a hatred for the Catholic faith, which served to increase their zeal in all their future conflicts with the Romans. Ill-treated by the Roman commissioners who had been sent by the Emperor Valens to superintend their settlement, the Goths marched against Constantinople. Valens wrote to Gratian for aid, and the latter, although his own dominions were harassed by the Germans, marched to the aid of his uncle, but died at Sirmium. Valens encountered Fritigern, the Gothic leader, near Adrianople, in AD 378, and was defeated and slain. Nearly the whole of the Roman army was destroyed upon this fatal field. Gratian now chose as his colleague Theodosius, the son of the former brave commander of that name, and Theodosius for a time restored the Roman Empire. He defeated the Goths, won their affections by his clemency, and induced them to protect the frontiers of the Danube. Gratian was defeated and put to death, A.D. 383, by a usurper, Maximus, who also deprived Valentinian II of his province of Italy, Theodosius, however, defeated the usurper in AD 388, and generously restored Valentinian to his throne, Valentinian was murdered by a Frank, Arbogosts, in AD 392, but Theodosius marched against him, and defeated and destroyed the rebels Arbogosts and Eugenius, AD 394, Theodosius the Great, who had thus reunited the empire under his own sway belonged to the Orthodox faith, and sought to suppress Arianism, as well as many other heresies which, had crept into the Christian Church. He was a prudent ruler, and resisted successfully the inroads of the barbarians. He divided his empire between his two sons, Honorius and Arcadius, the former becoming emperor of the West, the latter, who was the elder, succeeding his father at Constantinople, and Theodosius soon after died, lamented by his subjects, Ruthenius who became the chief minister of Arcadius, oppressed and plundered the Eastern Empire. He was universally hated by the people. Stilicho, on the other hand, 
who also became the chief minister of Honorius, was a very different character. He was a brave and active commander, and restored the former glory of the Roman arms. His chief opponent was the famous Elric, who now united the Gothic forces under his own command, and, having penetrated into Greece, ravaged and desolate that unhappy country, the barbarians plundered Athens, Corinth, Sparta, and Argos, and those cities, once so renowned for valor, seemed to offer him no resistance. So fallen was the ancient spirit of the Greeks. Stilicho, however, pursued Alaric into Elias, and would, perhaps, have totally destroyed the barbarians had not the feeble Arcadus not only made peace with Alaric, but appointed him to the command of Illyricum. Alaric, not long after, invaded Italy, but was defeated by his rival. In AD 403 he again invaded Italy, and was induced to a retreat by a considerable bribe. The Emperor Honorius removed from Rome to Ravenna, where he believed himself more secure, and when a new horde of barbarians invaded Italy in AD 406, and had besieged Florence, they were totally defeated and destroyed by Stilicho. A portion of the invaders escaped into Gaul, where they committed great ravages, until Constantine, the governor of Britain, was proclaimed emperor who wrested Gaul and Spain from the dominion of Honorius, this weak prince, in AD 408, consented to the murder of Stilicho, his new minister, Olympus, directed the slaughter of the families of the barbarians throughout Italy, a cruelty which was fearfully avenged, Alaric, the scourge of Rome, marched into Italy, and in AD 408 besieged the capital, pestilence and famine soon raged within the walls of Rome, until the Senate purchased a respite from their calamities by an enormous ransom. Honorius refused to confirm the treaty, and the next year Alaric once more appeared before the city. He took possession of Ostia, the port of Rome, reduced the Senate to surrender, and proclaimed Italy's emperor. Honorius still refusing to yield to his demands, Alaric resolved to punish Rome for the vices of its emperor. The sack of that city now followed, one of the most fearful tragedies in history. No foreign enemy had appeared before the gates of Rome since the invasion of Hannibal, until Alaric made his successful inroad into Italy. The city still retained all that magnificence with which it had been invested by the emperors, the Colosseum, the baths, the aqueducts, the palaces of the senators, the public gardens, and the ancient temples, still remained, but its people were lost in luxury and vice. Learning was no longer respected among them the gamester or the cook being more esteemed than philosophers or poets, and the luxurious senators passade their lives in frivolous and degrading amusements. The indolent people were maintained by a daily distribution of bread, baked in the public ovens, and oil, wine, and bacon were also provided for them during a part of the year. The public baths were open to the people, and for a small copper coin they might enter those scenes of luxury where the walls were encrusted with precious marble and perpetual streams of hot water flowed from silver tubes, from the bath they passed to the circus, where, although the combats of gladiators had been suppressed by Christian princes, a succession of amusements was still provided, in this manner the luxurious nobles and people of Rome passed their tranquil, inglorious lives, the wealth of the capital was such as might well attract the barbarous invader, the palaces of the senators were filled with gold and silver ornaments, and the churches had been enriched by the contributions of pious worshippers. Many of the nobles possessed estates which produced several hundred thousand dollars a year, and the wealth of the world was gathered within the walls of its capital. We had no means of estimating accurately the population of Rome. Its walls embraced a circuit of 21 miles, 
and it is probable that nearly a million of people were contained within the walls and the suburbs. Such was the condition of Rome when it was about to fall before the arms of the barbarians. August 24, A.D. 410, Alaric approached the city, and the gates being opened to him by some Gothic slaves, his troops began at night a fearful scene of pillage and destruction. Men, women, and children were involved in a general massacre, nobles and plebeians suffered under a common fate. The Goths, as they entered, set fire to the houses in order to alight their path and the flames consumed a large part of the city. Great numbers of the citizens were driven away in hordes to be sold as slaves, others escaped to Africa, or to the islands on the coast of Italy, where the Goths, having no ships, were enabled to follow them. But Alaric, who was an Arian, spared the churches of Rome, and was anxious to save the city from destruction. From this time, however, A.D. 410, began that rapid decay which soon converted Rome into a heap of ruins. Alaric, after six days given to plunder, marched out of the city, to the southern part of Italy, where he died. His body was buried under the waters of a rivulet, which was turned from its course in order to prepare his tomb, and, the waters being once more led back to their channel, the captives who had performed the labor were put to death, that the Romans might never discover the remains of their Gothic scourge. The brother of Alaric, Adolphus, who succeeded him, was married to the princess Placidia and now became the chief ally of Honorius. He restored Gaul to the empire, but was murdered while upon an expedition into Spain. Walia, the next Gothic king, reduced all Spain and the eastern part of Gaul under the yoke of the Visigoths. The empire of the west was now rapidly dismembered. The Franks and Burgundians took possession of Gaul. Britain, too, was from this time abandoned by the Romans, and was afterward, in AD 448 over and an conquered by the Angles and the Saxons, and thus the two great races, the English and the French, began, Arcadius, the Eastern Emperor, governed by his minister, the eunuch Eutropes, and by the Empress Eudoxia, was led into many cruelties, and Saint Chrysostom, the famous bishop and orator, was one of the illustrious victims of their persecutions, Arcadius died in AD 408, and was succeeded by the young Theodosius, who was controlled in all his measures by his sister Polcheria, and for forty years Polcheria ruled the East with uncommon ability. Honorius died in A.D. 423, when Valentinian II, son of Placidia, his sister, was made emperor of the West. He was wholly governed by his mother, and thus Placidia and Polcheria ruled over the civilized world. The Vandals, who had settled in the province of Andalusia, in Spain, were invited into Africa by Count Boniface who had been led into this act of treachery by the intrigues of his rival Aetius. Genseric, the Vandal king, conquered Africa, although Boniface, repenting of his conduct, endeavored to recover the province, and thus Italy was now threatened on the south by the Vandal power in Africa. The Huns, meantime, who had been detained upon the upper side of the Danube, now crossed that river, being united under the control of Ella, and became the terror of the civilized world. Etla first threatened an attack upon the Eastern Empire, but at length turned his arms against the West. He was defeated by Aetius and the Visigoths in AD 451, but the next year he invaded Italy, demanded the Princess Anya in marriage, and destroyed many of the Italian cities. He spared the city of Rome, however, and finally died in AD 453. His death alone saved the Empire from complete ruin. Valentinian II who had put to death the brave commander Aetius, was murdered by the patrician Maximus in AD 455, 
The Vandals now besieged and plundered Rome, and sold many, 